What does it mean for someone to have faith? And specifically, to have faith in Christ that leads to salvation. Is faith simply hoping for the best? Is it hoping for something even though you might not know if it's really true? Or is it something more? Welcome to the Theology For You podcast, where we believe that a right understanding of God's Word is for your good and true worship of God. If you're just joining us, I'm Joey, and I'd love to encourage you to share this with a friend. If we've helped you to grow in your faith and understanding of God in this episode or any other episode, maybe send your friend a text or DM on Instagram all about this podcast. It would mean the world to us if you would share this with the other believers in your life, those who want to grow in their faith and understanding of God and His Word. This episode is part of a series on evangelism using Will Metzger's book, Tell the Truth as Our Guide. If you don't have this book, I'd highly encourage you to pick up a copy of your own to deepen your understanding of evangelism and your ability to communicate the gospel truthfully and lovingly. You can find a link to buy this book as well as any other books or resources we mention at the link in the description of this episode. In our previous lesson, we discussed genuine conversion and how a person is not a Christian simply because they raise their hand prayed a prayer, or walked down an aisle during an invitation. No, a person is truly a Christian when they put their whole trust in Christ and in Christ alone. A person is not genuinely converted, meaning they are not truly a Christian until they have turned from their selfish ways. They've repented, and they now trust in Christ and seek to live like Christ, which the Bible calls faith. But what is true faith? From the Bible, we see that saving faith is a conviction brought about by the Holy Spirit of the truth of the gospel and trust in the promises of God in Christ. Saving faith then has three elements involving the entire person coming to Christ, the mind, the emotions, and the will. The modern conception of faith says that faith is hoping in something that you cannot see. It's a Hope so mentality. You intellectually believe that something is true despite lacking evidence. An example would be when someone is going through a hard time and a friend encourages them to have faith that will it'll all work out. Or they say, you just need to have faith in faith. Have you ever heard or even said either of these two phrases before? As my pastor pointed out in a sermon, this view of faith is common in many Hallmark movies and a lot of movies in general. And one common theme among many of these movies is, if you just believe hard enough, it'll come true. And you've heard this before. This idea of faith is more wishful thinking than confident assurance. This is not the biblical model of faith. And unfortunately, this is how many people view their faith in Jesus. They're hoping that what they have heard about Jesus is true and that he will save them from God's wrath. And in essence, their faith in Jesus is simply fire insurance to save them from hell. But is this the way the Bible describes faith? Is this the faith that saves? Biblically, no, it's not. This is where the world's view of faith has infiltrated the church. This idea of faith as a hope in things not seen has become prevalent in the church today. You may be thinking right now, well, isn't that what the Bible says faith is? Doesn't the Bible say faith is the hope of things not seen? 
And I wouldn't fault you for thinking that way because this view of faith surrounds us. It permeates our culture today. But we must be sure that we correctly interpret and reference the Bible. So is that really what the Bible says? Well, let's look at it in Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Notice that this verse did not say that faith is the hope of things not seen, but rather the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. There's a significant difference here. Notice that faith is not the description of the hoping, but rather the confident assurance and the conviction of things hoped for. There's a deeper level of trust, a sense of being fully persuaded. Emphasizing this, one theologian defines saving faith as a certain conviction wrought in the heart by the Holy Spirit as to the truth of the gospel and a hearty reliance, that is trust, on the promises of God in Christ. This full assurance of faith is wholly based upon the work of Christ and nothing of what we can do. We can have complete confidence in our salvation through the work of the Holy Spirit in us because of what God has done for us. And this confidence, this conviction involves our entire being. We are fully persuaded, not just in our minds or even in our emotions, but also deep down in our desires, in our will. Faith is an act of the whole man. And this is where the three elements of faith need to be properly understood. The mind, the emotions, and the will. Or as the Protestant reformers referred to them, Notitia, Ascensus, and Fiducia. And I may be pronouncing those wrong. Forgive me for that. When we place our faith in something or someone, we have to know something about that thing or person. This is the first element. This is the Notitia of faith. The notes. These are the things that make up our understanding of that thing or person. And in our case, in Christianity, when we place our faith in Christ, we must know about him. We must know about Christ. We must know the basic facts of the gospel, that God is holy and righteous. We do not live up to his standards. We're sinners in need of a savior, and God has graciously sent his own son and reconciled us to himself. God gave us his word to know these things. He's given us the Bible to direct our mind that we might be renewed in the spirit of our minds and think God's thoughts after him. But we must be careful not to judge God's ways. Though God has given us a mind for a reason, our mind is not to be ultimately trusted, which is why we need the Bible to direct our thoughts. The Christian life is not intellectualism, but we use the truth to inform and humble our minds. In our evangelism, we must forsake evangelistic methods that either completely ignore the mind or leave the gospel message only to this intellectual ascent. In our Christian faith, our mind is not to be bypassed, nor is it the only aspect of our faith. True faith not only involves the mind, but it also involves our emotions, the ascensus of faith. This emotional element is a deep conviction and affirmation of the truth of the gospel. Not only do we recognize the facts of the gospel, but we deeply believe that they are true. As Will Metzger says in his book, Tell the Truth, emotions are part of the image of God in us. If our feelings have been legitimately roused, they should be expressed, not suppressed. Emotions have a valid place in our lives, but they're not to lead our lives. 
Truth is to lead, and the emotions and will conforming. We must allow truth to grip us. In witnessing, we must be emotional. We need to let our non-Christian friends and those with whom we are sharing the gospel with see that our emotions and affections have been moved for Jesus, and not that we are unemotional and numbed by our culture. But we must be sure that truth is what is leading our emotions. For many Christians and churches, emotions lead everything. And this deceives people as they're led only by their emotions and not by a genuine, true understanding of who God is. This hurts instead of helping Christians in their walk with Christ. The Christian life is not emotionalism, but we are to show love and touch the heart. Not only does true faith involve our mind, but also our emotions. Yet, there is a third aspect to saving faith that often seems to be left out. True faith is only real if it includes a personal trust and surrender to Christ as both Savior and Lord. And this is what the Reformers referred to as fiducia. We must not only know with our mind and believe the facts of the gospel with our emotions, but we must put our whole trust and reliance on those facts with our will, our desires, until we completely surrender our lives over to Christ and trust in him, we don't have saving faith. A faith that saves is a faith that surrenders to Christ's authority. And staying in Hebrews 11 from a little bit earlier, we see Abraham showing his faith by his obedience. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Throughout Hebrews 11, all the heroes of faith showed their faith by obedience. And as John MacArthur says in his book, the gospel according to Jesus, obedience is the inevitable manifestation of true faith. If you want to have a deeper understanding of the gospel and what Jesus means when he says, follow me, I couldn't more highly recommend that book to you. In our evangelism, we must be sure that individuals rightly understand this third element of saving faith. Unless they have been convicted of the truth of the gospel and surrender their lives over to Jesus as Lord, they are not a true believer. But we must also recognize that there is a danger of purely driving people to come to Christ based on their will, on their desires. As Will Metzger says, it's a mistake to appeal to the unbeliever's will directly if we don't accompany such an appeal with biblical content. Because such content is needed to instruct the mind in its choice and humble its sinful desires. The balance should be God moving sinners through persuasion. And it's possible to encourage unbelievers to arrive at decisions from false motives. We don't want people to be driven to to decisions based on false motives. Too many of our evangelistic methods are benefit-oriented. And as Martin Lloyd-Jones put it so well, the most serious of all dangers is that of seeking to produce decisions as a result of pressure brought to bear upon the listener's will. And again from Will Metzger, the true reason for becoming Christian is not that we may have a wonderful life, but that we may be in a right relationship with God. In our evangelism, we shouldn't be putting people in a position in which they are making a decision purely because they've been pressured into making that decision. That's not true evangelism. Instead of appealing to natural desires, we should be inviting, pleading, and even exhorting allegiance to a new leader in their lives 
Because Christ is Lord, Jesus is King. We're to present the gospel in such a way that people are able to understand it and be genuinely converted through the work of the Holy Spirit using God's word. We should be faithful in teaching the scriptures because it is the scriptures that inform the mind, which stir our emotion and move us to act. Our will does not act unless our emotions have been stirred by the beliefs of our minds. So, in summary, saving faith is a conviction brought about by the Holy Spirit of the truth of the gospel and trust in the promises of God in Christ. The whole gospel must be presented to the whole man, the mind, the emotions, and the will. But in our modern era, the gospel has been reduced, leaving people deceived into a God who has been dishonored. We need to make some distinctions between modern-day evangelism and biblical evangelism. And that's what we'll talk about in our next episode. If you want to go deeper in your understanding of God and His Word, I want to encourage you to check out our resources at theologyforyou.com. That's theology, F-O-R-Y-O-U.com. I want to thank you if you have rated or reviewed this podcast on Apple iTunes. That's a way to help get this podcast in front of other people who want to grow in their faith and deepen their relationship with God. So thank you for helping other people grow in their faith by rating or reviewing this podcast. And we look forward to you joining us in our next episode where we look at the differences between the biblical model of evangelism and the modern conception of evangelism. Together, let's make God's name famous.